Coming up, why are so many Americans depleted, drained, and increasingly frustrated with their lives? I'll reveal why and what you and I can do about it. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's go. Helping you get unstuck so that you can become unstoppable to live the life that you desire to live. That's more money, more meaning. And we're going to look at your work life because it has so much effect on the rest of your life. So two reasons why so many Americans, and I think this is probably a global application, but certainly the American lifestyle is dominated by, I think, two factors that creates so much stress and unhappiness and frustration and desperation and exhaustion. And here are the two factors. You could say that these is that that, that, that these is. <laughs> you could say that that while it's bad grammar, it still plays. But you could say that these factors could be epidemics in their own right. The first one is distraction. The second one is we're overcommitted. We're more distracted than ever, and we're more overcommitted than ever. Now, if you just sit there and think about those two words for a second, just just the very definition of distracted and then overcommitted, and, 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 and just think about your own life. How often are you distracted from the main things, the primary things? How often do you think to yourself or do you comment to others, I'm so overcommitted? These two factors literally are pulling our lives apart. Think of them as a, a tug of war. Just these two factors alone. During your day, distractions from what matters most and then being overcommitted. You said yes, or you put too much on your to-do list. So let's break these things down. Distractions. Let's just look at work distractions alone. Emails, chats, intercompany chats, text messages, social media, the ever-present 24-hour news website you like to go to, coworkers, (laughs) your leader. I mean, this is just a normal rhythm. Unplanned interruptions or habitual interruptions, meaning I'm interrupting myself. I'm in a workflow or should be in a workflow and I'm interrupting myself by constantly going to social media or getting up from my desk. I got to go see this guy and talk about last night's game, you know, whatever it is. The average employee, this is fascinating. I looked this up. The average American employee has 60 distractions a day. Now that's the average. So then I started thinking, okay, if each of the 60 distractions is a minute long, and I think that's being pretty, pretty conservative, you're talking about an hour a day. I think it's much higher than that. Would you say that's true in the control room? Would you say the average distraction of everything I just talked about is is over a minute long? I would say it is. So you're talking about in real numbers here, you're probably looking at a minimum of two hours a day where we're distracted from what matters most in our work. Now, 
let's also just play this out in our home life. All right, so you've got important things that you want to do. Let's look at our weekends, you know. And I'm talking about the main things. We'll get to that in a moment. But think about how many times you get distractions. I, I'm thinking of the stay-at-home mom right now with littles, right, little kids. I could see, I could see all the stay-at-home moms raising their hand right now, wherever you are, you're listening or watching, you're going, Ken, this is my life. My life is a is a virtual distraction. You got little ones. Mommy this, mommy that. Okay, I get it. All right, let's look at the second factor, overcommitted. I would describe being overcommitted as saying yes to too much personally and professionally. Now, this includes saying yes to yourself. So if I'm sitting down looking at my day, and let's say I've got a piece of paper here and I get a pencil on, say, okay, what's important to me today? And I can create too much on my to-do list. Come on. How many of you out there know what I'm talking about? And so essentially, if I'm putting too much on my to-do list that I want to do, I am effectively saying yes to myself too much. There's only so much time in the day. So overcommitted is a growing disease or epidemic itself. Listen to this. Three out of five people say they can't get everything done on their list. All right, so again, how is the list compiled? Your priority list, your to-do list, how's it compiled? Two ways. You, you're putting stuff on there that you want to do that matter to you. And then let's be honest, we got other people in our life. So our, you know, our leader, our team, you know, there's, you know, I'm creating my to-do list at work, but then I will tell you that Alex has got some to-dos for me. Okay. So the to-do list is a combination. And so it requires us to understand who's making the list, who's putting too much on me. How am I overcommitted? I've got to be able to look at it. Well, it's coming from two ways, what I want and what others want. And so what happens is we become exhausted by the opportunity to do things. Well, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. How am I going to do it all? And it creates a very nasty feeling of being overwhelmed by desire on one hand and frustration on the other. And it's like the perfect storm. Now, I will tell you that I think a lot of this comes from busyness in our country, in America, I believe has become a status symbol. And I'm super guilty of this. In fact, I'm trying to get better at this, but I, I don't think I am. I think I'm failing miserably. Let me give an example. I run into some guys I know at the golf course or at the pickleball court or at my kids' games or something like that. And there's somebody that I know is an acquaintance. I'm not doing regular life with them. And we greet each other and you go, how's everything going? You know, they, so maybe they lead off. And, 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 I, and I, I hear myself doing it and I wince every time I do it. It's going to be painful to admit. But I say something like, huh, I'm busier than a one-arm wallpaper hanger or, you know, something stupid like that is one of those phrases I, I jump in on, you know, and they kind of chuckle. But what am I really saying? I'm so busy. Another one I say is I'm trying to catch the tiger by the tail. I'm so busy, and I, I got to tell you, I don't like me when I say that. But what am I? I am a product of a culture where, oh, man, I'm going crazy, going hard, going fast. And what's happened is somewhere along the line, maybe I'm the only one. Am I the only one? But if you're like me, you're going, what's happened is, is you've embraced busy as a status symbol. 
But here's what happens. When we are always so busy and we make busy a badge of honor, that's what I'm criticizing me on today. When I make busy a badge of honor, it leads to overcommitment, which then leads to overheating. I'd have to ask Joe, uh, my longtime ally in the booth over there, what happens when an engine overheats? I don't have time. But but we all know what that looks like, right? We got to pull the car over, steam's coming out, it's hot, it's ugly. We got to fix it. And I'm afraid Americans are becoming that way. So, what do we do about it? Coming up next, I'm going to give you a very simple process to figure out what your priorities should be and then manage your life based on those priorities. So how do we get the victory over distraction and overcommitment? That's what we're talking about. I believe these two factors, being distracted and being overcommitted, quite frankly, is depleting Americans, and they're just not happy. They're not happy with their life. And in these two areas, by the way, I think you can make a very strong case that I can control these things. Isn't there so many things that you can't control? I mean, I feel like if you look at life, there's way more on the list of things I cannot control than there are on the things that I can control. And I think if you agree with me on that, this is also powerful in understanding, wait a second, a good chunk of why I am so depleted, diminished, exhausted, frustrated is I'm allowing myself to be distracted I am allowing myself to be overcommitted, and I can control that. <gasps> okay, so that that ought to feel good. Okay, I can do that. So how? Well, the simple short answer is you have to truly learn the discipline, and then I think it becomes an art form of prioritization. Now, full admission here. Um. I'm not naturally good at this. I tend to be a people pleaser of an unhealthy sort. And so I tend to say yes to a lot of things. So I am teaching from so much losing in this area (laughs) that I have then life has shaped me into being a little bit better at this than I have been in the past. I still have room to grow. So let me simplify it as to where I've seen a little bit of success in my own life, but only through a lot of pain of overcommitting. And and that's been my bigger problem is overcommitment. Uh, because I find that when you are really in a zone, um, you're not as distracted. Okay, so overcommitment is a real weakness of mine. All right. So how do we do this? So it's, okay, Ken, yeah, I get it. We need to prioritize. Okay, I want to give you something that's a lot simpler. Here's what happens. You start saying no on a regular basis. And this is so simple, and yet it's really incredibly difficult to do. And I struggle with this big time. But here's what I have found that makes it easier for me, the people pleaser, a neurotic 
people pleaser. That's me. I'm confessing this. It's easier for me to say no when I have already said yes to the things that matter most. So this is, to me, the key. Now, some of you are more disciplined. You're less neurotic than me. So you can just say, all right, can I get that? I just need to say no. But I think it's easier to say no once we've already committed to the yeses that matter to us. So in other words, in my life, in my personal life, in my professional life, I should be predeciding what I'm going to say yes to. And once I have committed my yeses, then the no's are actually easier. Are you following with me here? I mean, the no's are so difficult because I think we we never want to disappoint people. We we I think there's tension in saying no. But I think the tension gets removed from saying no when you're able to say, watch this, ah, oh, no, I, I I can't do that. Uh, I, I, I've already, I've already committed a date night is Tuesday night's date night with my daughter, Josie. I I can't come over. I can't grab drinks. You see the difference? You're not having to come up with some excuse. I think the tension lies with us making excuses, which is essentially a really nice way of saying I'm lying to you. (laughs) And we all are guilty of that. Come on. You know, you make up something or, you know, or, you know, you make an excuse and it's just wishy-washy. And I think that's where the tension lies. So it makes it harder to say no, because I think you're good people. So pre-deciding the yeses, now I'm able to say, gosh, I'm sorry to disappoint. This is effectively what you're saying when you say no. But I'm already committed here. And by the way, if you do that once, it's easier to do it twice And so if we begin to take an outlook of our life to say, you know what, here's what I'm doing, here's what matters to me, then it's easier. So let me give you a construct that I think is absolutely brilliant in its simplicity, but it's got a lot of depth. And so if you want to take some notes right now, okay, this is is what you want to do. Okay, write this down, type it up on your phone. If you're listening to the podcast or you're on YouTube, this is worth, I think, creating this construct on a piece of paper on your phone that you can revisit. This is a framework by a guy by the name of Rich Feller. And the first time I saw it, I went, this is gold. Okay. So you write out the phrase, what do I want to, and we have a blank. Okay. What do I want to blank? That's your sentence. What do I want to blank? And then here are your four blanks. Okay. Have. Do. Learn, give. So what do I want to have? What do I want to do? What do I want to learn? What do I want to give? So let me give you some examples. Again, I just jotted this down to get your brain going, okay? So what do I want to have? Okay, so I'm giving you some personal answers for me here, okay? I want to have a great marriage. I want to have a great family life, relationship with my kids. It's not going to be perfect, but I want to have a healthy family life, marriage and my kids. I got three teens. I want to have financial peace, right? And you can keep going. What do you want to have? Okay. I'll notice I didn't say I want to have a yacht, but if you want a yacht, write down, you want a yacht. So whatever you want. I want a farm. I want five acres I can hunt on. Great. What do you want to have? All right. Next, what do I want to do? 
Okay. Um, I want to travel the world. I want to learn ballroom dancing. I'm, I'm writing down silly things here. Okay. These aren't certainly personal. What for you, you may want to start a company. You've got this idea you've had for a long time. You want to start a company. You want to work for yourself. You know, what, what do you want to do? What are the accomplishments, the achievements that you long to, to make happen? Okay. Third, what do I want to learn? Do you want to learn a skill? Do you want to learn a language? Uh, I said on the last one, ballroom dancing is a joke. Yeah, but, but do you want to learn how to do that? You know, what do you want to, what do you want to learn? You want to learn some new skills. You want to take a new class. What do you want to learn? You want to learn how to write. You want to learn how to code. What do you want to learn? Okay. And then finally, what do you want to give? And, and, and this is where do you want to give your time? Where do you want to give your money? So, so what do I want to give? I want to give this financially. I want to give this of my time. I want to sacrifice and volunteer my time over here. And so what happens is from this, this, this construct from Rich Feller, I think is brilliant because this is where true weighty priorities come from. What do I want to have? What do I want to do? What do I want to learn? What do I want to give? And, and, and you look at your professional life, your personal life, spiritual life, your physical life, run it through all those filters. This is heart level awareness and i think it's powerful so once you know your principle your 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 priorities then there's an old principle principle called the pareto principle and just simply says give 80% of your time or effort to your top 20% of your priorities so i think the the exercise you just gave you from rich feller helps you determine your top priorities these priorities really, really matter. And and maybe once I accomplish some of these things, I can move some things up to the top of the list, but we can only have so many priorities. So less is more here. And now I'm going to focus my top 80% of my time and energy and effort to the top 20% of the priorities. And what I'm going to find is I'm exhilarated, not exhausted. I'm fulfilled, not frustrated. Try it. Why? Because you only got one shot around this life and this globe. Let's do it well and make the most of it, shall we? All right, folks, welcome back. Hey, if you're enjoying this show uh, via YouTube, would you like uh, the episode or the clip that you're watching? Just a thumbs up and uh, then subscribe and share with somebody you think needs maybe a wake-up call to be provoked to action or to be encouraged. Uh, That would be great to help us grow. Thank you. And then if you are listening via podcast, would you follow us and give us a five-star review? Again, all that helps in the algorithm, a word I cannot spell but I think I do understand it. All right, now it's time for a coaching session. Let's go to John in Charlotte, North Carolina. John, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. You bet, John. How can I help today? 
Yeah, man. Um, so I'm just giving you a call today. Um, my father started a business um, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, and now we're getting to the age, my brother and I are getting to the age where, you know, we're thinking about taking over uh, and he's thinking about retiring. I mean, he hasn't, has no plans for it, but at the same time, you know, he's just um, kind of thinking about it, which is always good. Yeah. Uh, and so my question is, is just how do I find my place at work now that he's kind of going to be thinking about retiring and kind of living in that shadow as well as learning to lead kind of like when he's gone. Cause yeah. You know, um, it's a hard transition, I'm sure. Never been through it. He's never been through it. But uh-huh. I just also have this fear that I'm not going to do as well, and I'm kind of going to mess up his retirement, you know, and his kind of his legacy. So, yeah. And it's more on my shoulders than it is my brother's because he runs the floor, and I kind of I run the whole front part of the business. So anyway, just get your yeah. help on that. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, let me let me address the, the back part of what you asked about first mm-hmm. because I got a few questions on the first part to try to give you some uh, something helpful on the last okay. part, this idea, I'm afraid I'm going to screw this thing up and essentially hurt the company, which would then hurt my dad's financial opportunity. And may I be so bold as to probably add just, I don't want to disappoint my pops either. Is that right? Yeah. Well, let me, let me address yeah. that. I, I, that by the way is very natural. So I, I guess okay. I'm hoping to, to excuse whatever criticism or maybe how you're feeling about yourself for feeling that. I think that's actually really normal. And I would say as long as it doesn't become a blocker to where you create a false narrative that there's this high probability that I would screw the company up and then everything else that comes with that, I, I, I as long as it's just a healthy fear of, Oh gosh, I don't want this to happen. And it's healthy. Meaning anytime that we all, any of us step into something new, a great new challenge, right? Riding a bike, learning how to swim, learning a sport, learning an instrument. Do you remember those times in your life where that you were kind of a, Hey, I'm stepping into something new and it's a great challenge. Do you remember that? Yes, sir. Oh yeah. I, 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 as long as it stays there, like it's just a healthy uh, what I would call healthy nerves, healthy anxiety that we just channel and we go, okay, I've been here before in my life. And uh, so I can, this is not going to happen unless I do this, 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 and this. So in other words, a fun exercise would have for yourself would be to go, what would need to be true? In other words, what would I need to do or allow to happen for the company to just nosedive when dad finally hands it over? And I think if mm-hmm. you do that, I think you're going to go, well, that's there's no chance of that happening. Would you say that that's true now? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I would. I mean, I mean, way of like me messing it up or not messing it up. I'm, I'm saying sorry. you. The chances of you doing something really stupid and screwing this thing up are pretty low. Yes or no? Oh yes, yes. I mean, yeah. You understand the business, yes? Yes. Yeah. Your dad has trained you and your brother well and if and if god forbid he drops dead today you aren't sitting around going uh what do i do <laughs> right right correct right correct all right and do you feel a sense of confidence from your dad that he believes in you two boys that you guys can do this 
I do. I do feel that he thinks that we do. At the same time, I think you know it's it's his baby. So you know, I think he's a little you sure. know nervous about it, of course, which I think we all would be. But I think okay. I think he does. I think he knows that we would we would do well with it. Okay. So then, what I'm saying is this little mentor exercise I did. I think you may have to do it a few more times. You may have to keep revisiting it, and you just have okay. to simply go. This is this is fear. This is fear. Yeah. Fear is I'm worried that something bad is going to happen, and this is also fear's cousin doubt. Doubt is I don't believe that something good can happen. Right. And That's right. That's true. Yeah, and so that's all you're dealing with. By the way, you're dealing with it because you are mentally thinking through so a new season of life where dad won't be there, and that's natural. But here's mm-hmm. the deal. Is there any evidence that your fear is telling you the truth? Is there any evidence that your doubt is telling you the truth? And that's the exercise. And that just okay. that's going to stay with you, okay? Uh, okay. I have total confidence in you, and I think you do too. Yeah, I, I feel like I do as well. Right. Okay. Now let's look at the next thing. I found it curious that you said "find my place." Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Because as it stands right now, on the surface, it sounds like you know your role right now. Is this more about what your role would be when Dad actually leaves? I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. So find my place. I, I guess you know that he cast such a big shadow. Yeah. Um, because of such a successful business he started yes. and has been running. And, you know, the guys on the floor respect them naturally, you know, um, and they respect me as well. Um, but it, it's just one of those things, I guess, just, mm. you know. Um, I get it. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, give me the top three characteristics or attributes if I were to pull everybody in your company about your dad, how would they describe him in a positive way? He's larger than life. Give me three characteristics. Uh, hardworking. Okay. Always dependable and um, caring and smart, I guess I would say. Okay, great. But tell me about his personality a little bit, like how he makes decisions, his style, like his how he communicates. Okay. Describe that to me. Uh, communication is very good um, in a lot of from the business point of things i mean he gets the idea across uh he's a, like he's a go-getter you know like if if yeah. something needs to be done he's he's going to be the first one here all right so let me ask you this here's what mm-hmm. i'm getting at how are you different than your dad not much actually <laughs> not much no no i mean i'm so your you communication know, style like the way you communicate with people like you know for instance if if if, if he's an extrovert are you an introvert or are you an extrovert and i think what you've got here's okay. where i'm here's where i'm going with this mm-hmm. where you're different than your dad you need to actually embrace that i got you that's okay. where i was trying to lead you oh, i was no, that makes sense i wasn't doing a good job of coaching there no no you're- but 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 here's the point i'm making your dad's larger than life, and he's the founder. Mm-hmm. So where you will screw up is if you try to be a version of him. I got gotcha. you. You need to, on your own, create a list. Get feedback from people who know you both and go, how am I different than my dad? How am I uniquely different? And, and when you see that clearly, you've got to go, okay, I'm different. And okay. to the extent that I try to be like him in his persona, I try to be a knockoff, a clone, that's bad. Now, make decisions the way dad make decisions because his process is actually tried and true, and I've bought into that, and it served our company well, be exactly like him. But it, what I mean is, is principles be like dad, okay? Gotcha. Personality, yep. 
be like you. Be you. If your dad would handle a situation this way, but you have seen him do that before and you went, it's not that he was wrong. It's just that you would have handled it differently. Handle it differently. When he's gone. Or Mm -hmm. when you've got decisions that he leaves in your purvey. He's going, you make that decision. Start doing that. Be you. Be uniquely you. And I think if you do that, you're going to be great. And that is your place. I hope that helps. All right. Yeah, it helps a ton. I mean, that that actually was okay. Good. I mean, great advice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was, uh, you know, always worried about because he's done it so well. Yeah. You know, so it's a big you know, shadow. I like that embracing, uh, kind of the differences because there are differences between him and my styles of stuff, and yeah. and I think it's good though. It so is I good. Really appreciate that. It yeah. is good, and I'm glad you see that. And so you've got to embrace yeah. that because again, you're going to bring something to the table that he could not bring. And vice versa is true as well, and that is okay. Man, I'm so excited for you, John. The best is yet to be. You and your brother are going to do a great job. I believe it. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.